0: Y'all better get comfortable with saying black. Black versus the Board of Education.
1: Yeah, we
0: better 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 That's why we are indeed a whole mood. That's it. can't hear me let's try it again go ahead and hit me with the thank you so very much what's up and hello to everybody out there in facebook and youtube land my name is miss Lorraine, and we welcome you to black versus the board of education where we gets it popping every monday at four thirty. now look we are in part four of our mindfulness series yes is that what we're doing yes and today we're going to be talking about addicted running from the come down and I know it's going to be another spectacular one um, because we've we've been doing this now for four weeks right mm-hmm. and we've covered a bunch of different topics um, and so this one I'm sure is going to enlighten folks out in radio land um, and before we get started and I feel like I'm so low for some reason um, before we get started uh, we're gonna go around, and we're just gonna get some introductions. So let's start with Miss Anaya today. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Let us know how you're feeling, what's going on in your life, uh, so we could just get caught up.
2: Okay, hey everyone. My name is Anaya. I'm currently a freshman attending Howard University, and I'm good. So alright.
0: Just alright. Anything exciting happened that we need to know about? Oh, um, I was able to go to a conference in Atlanta this weekend. So I think it was pretty good. All right, Atlanta
3: conference. I feel it. I feel it. Uh, Adrian. Come
0: yawn. Sorry. Why, now, why are you yawning already? It's a natural reflex. Oh, my goodness. You must have just ate. No?
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> my name's Adrian. Um, feel good today. There's one okay. on Sunday. Lakers heard. also won. Okay, so you feeling real good. Real
0: good. I love it. Um, Jalen, hey, Jalen, hey, Jalen. He's sitting in another spot today. Uh, you feeling some type of way? Yeah. Um, <laughs>
4: got the motor guys.
0: So. Will but you know, knock it off? You know, look, <laughs>
4: Lions won, so it's always a good day after the Lions win. Um, Who did they yeah. play? We played the Chargers. It was okay. actually a really good game. It wasn't a. Beat and you're going
0: to have to stay facing the microphone, love, because I hear, oh. you know.
4: I'm sorry. Stop. I, I don't know how to work this thing anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 what's going on.
0: Okay. And you feeling good? Feeling great? Yeah. Fantastic. Hey, Kela. There you go.
5: Hey, it's your girl Keela. Um, I'm doing good today. I had a good lazy weekend, and that was needed. So I feel really good. Must feel be recharged. nice to have
0: a lazy weekend. Yeah, I don't no, know that was Wow. Yeah. Oh, good gracious. Real long time. And once again, Carlos is in the building. Say hey to the
1: people. Hey. <laughs> okay. I'm doing good. You're doing good. Very grateful.
0: Okay. I love to hear it. Love to hear it. Um, and you know, I'm Miss Laureen. If I didn't say that already, I, I was told I have, I have a problem not introducing myself. I don't know what that is. Um, I just probably think that we all family, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I'm doing okay. I'm a little tired today. We spent the morning in Berkeley at the uh, United uh, against hate kickoff at the press conference over in, um, what is it? Martin Luther King civic center. Yeah. So that's where we were this morning. And we drove, Wow, we drove um, <laughs> back this morning, this afternoon. So I just got back not too long ago. And I want to take a nap. I, I feel like it's nap time. Um, but I'm ready to get it popping on this podcast topic because I saw you uh, put out a post yesterday. Was it yesterday you were inviting people to join us today?
1: Or was yeah, it- I think I did it wrong. You did it wrong. Yeah, I'm not I'm a little Fred Flintstone when it comes to (laughs) Uh computer stuff. I think I was trying to promote the program Uh and ended up saying, Hey, come on in here, like thirty people will come up in
0: here or something. Well, I mean I mean, you know, they were saying where you want us to join you at? Like he said, join me tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well
0: but this is the thing. When we when we move our studio, they they will have an opportunity to come in and see us live so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be amazing we're looking forward to doing some really great things um so again, like I said, we're talking about addicted running from the come down and this is one of those things so first of all, before we get started, how many of you have direct relationship with someone who was addicted to any type of substance or any type of thing that's out here so that's all of us okay does that does that surprise you at all mm no, okay. Let me ask you this: It says, "Um, because I got my whole questions." I'm, I'm so. How does addiction affect family dynamics? What do you think? Okay, you don't breathe really, really hard in my, no, my no, ear.
1: No, let, let,
0: let, let somebody else go. <laughs> I apologize. Let somebody else go. No, 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 go, It's I, all good, but because I, I know you, you got something to say. Yeah, right. But talk to me, Jalen. What are we talking
4: about? Um, it affects it um in many different ways. Um, one of the biggest ways is it breaks the trust um, mm. within a, a family because then when you have somebody who's addicted to something, they tend to lie about how bad the severity of it is to the to the other people around them and to themselves. Uh-huh. They take from others to get what they feel like they the body needs uh-huh. and then they just, they don't become their true selves. They are a shell of themselves mm. and which is um troubling to the family around them because they're trying to get them help, but you cannot help somebody who does not want to be helped.
0: Mm. Anaya, how does how does addiction affect family dynamics?
2: I would agree. I would say trust is broken. Um because it's I think it can lead to lying about things. And I feel like once you lie, it's like kind of a part of you that you can't you, I mean, like, you could forgive someone, but I feel like that's always going to be, like, a memory, of course. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Adrian?
3: I think not only does it break trust, it breaks the attachment that you've had to mm. them. Um, because when you have somebody who's addicted to something in your family, they become a person that you don't know. And they become a person who's become more aggravated, more emotional, um, quick. and just
0: so we qualify this this is your experiences right yes okay
3: they um they start to disassociate Mm. so with the with the family dynamic it you start to look at them not as your family anymore
4: Mm. let me add one more piece because he just sparked something in my right so
3: also when you have
4: somebody that is going through that it's it's super tough because you have people that knew them before the addiction and mm-hmm. they're like that's not who he is. But if you have if that's an older relative and you're younger, mm-hmm. this is all you see. So it's hard to try to take what somebody else knows them as mm-hmm. and not just see what you
0: see. Gotcha. Keila.
5: Um, I definitely agree with what everybody said, but um, I think when it comes to like relationships within like addictions, mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, depending on like what age you knew them, right? I think you see how much it's affected you and that person within that time frame. Okay.
0: Um, Mr. Carlos,
1: um, I kind of got an intimate relationship with addiction. Okay. And um, I think I got more of a more of a um, more of a relationship with addiction than actual people, because I, bo- I was born detoxing off heroin. Oh, okay. So, um, that was like a fourteen day adventure, and um,
0: you said a fourteen day adventure.
1: Well, I mean, I was basically detoxing. Yeah, for them fourteen days as, as, as a baby. As a baby.
0: Yikes. Okay.
1: And not only that, I'm I'm an only a child. I'm an only child of an addict. Oh wow. So when you when you see somebody choose that over you,
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: a little deep. Yeah. But I I, I do want to ask a question to everybody because they talk, I've heard people talk about how they felt about things. Nobody ever asked why.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And we ain't got to the why yet. I just wanted to know if they had personal, you know, implications or relationships with someone who has been addicted. Um, And I can say um, for folks who don't know, Jalen and I are related. He is my baby cousin. Right. Um, And we have uncles who were addicted to these right we had one uh, addicted to alcohol severely addicted to alcohol um the other one i don't know what his drug of choice was but it looked a little powdery so we gone i don't know what it was um but what most people don't know is i was married before this time my first husband had a addiction to i want to say it was meth and i didn't know what that was you know i've never been around um addicts before um, I know my, my my mom kept me away from my father who was an addict and I ended up marrying someone who was an addict. Um, and I thought I was going crazy because things kept disappearing from the house, <laughs> like the weird stuff. Like I would go to Walmart and I would buy bags of, or like packs of underwear and I couldn't find them to save my life. And I thought literally I was going crazy. And so I think that a lot of times when I started trying to process addiction or someone being addicted to something, I don't think that I realized that it was a disease. I thought that they were able to control it. I thought that um, it was something that someone just chose over me. Right. But I didn't realize the medical implications. I didn't realize what all these substances do to someone who maybe started off doing it for fun. And because it was something that they were used to doing, because now that I've learned about dopamine, <laughs> once you get that specific number or that is it number or height or uh, yeah, once you hit that peak, special. you know, you're going to continue to want to go after that same high. And you and I don't think it can be achieved again, right? Ever, is that what it says? Ever. Okay. So I'm I'm I've had a lot of experience. Um, and that was the reason for divorce too, because I could not deal with, um, I want to say, uh, people disappearing, money, disappearing products or not products, but, uh, possessions disappearing and not knowing what was going to happen next. And that's a lot for someone who was, I think I was 24. I was a, yeah, I was young. Yeah. And so. When I think about it now and, and the things that I'm learning now, um, I felt like I was compassionate then, but I think I'm even more compassionate now. Um, and so in what ways does addiction create communication challenges within families? Anaya?
2: I know for me personally, I was just quick to like, uh, like shut the person out rather than trying to i guess like understand them mm-hmm. and because of course system so for further it was just like i don't want to be around you like period no mm-hmm. matter if you're sober or not i don't want to be
0: around you so yeah and it's hard it's hard to be around people when you think they're acting funny um, it is and we can acknowledge that um but that doesn't have to always be where we leave that right um carlos How does addiction create communication challenges?
1: It probably creates the misconception that somebody is actually trying to do it because that's what they want to do. Mm. And most people don't get high to get high to get high to get well. Ooh,
0: they get high to get well. Explain that to me.
1: So, just depending on depending on the um, the drug, but I Mm -hmm. mean definitely like when you get like um, opiates like heroin and um, oxys, you know, if they don't have it, an individual can throw up, shivers, and in a lot of a lot of times. Lose their lives. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? And um, alcohol is the same way when you're detoxing off alcohol. So really just understanding what somebody's perception of it is. Yeah. And what is, what is their coping mechanism and why? And at the end of the day, you can't do it for other people. You can only do it for yourself.
0: Yeah. And when, say that again. You don't get high to get high. You get high to get well. You get high to get well. Yeah.
1: So some people would need, would need it just to get out to bed or they would not move all day. Wow. That's just to get up and put on my clothes for work.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I want to take this opportunity to make sure that for those of you who may be watching on social media, if you have a question or you have anything that you're thinking about, any comments, please feel free to put them in the chat. I do see Miss Tawana checking in. She says, my dad was an alcoholic. My uncle, aunts, and several cousins were crack addicts. This is why I don't drink or mess with any recreational drugs or Drugs of any kind. I've seen a lot, my God. And I think that's the same reason for me. I just don't touch it. I just won't. Uh, people laugh at me because they say, Do you drink? Oh, I'll go get a mudslide. They're like, That's a dessert. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> or I'll drink a wine cooler every once in a while. But from what I've seen, ain't no way. I can't do it. Um, I like to be super sober. Um, and we'll talk about that later. Um, but Keila, communication challenges how does it challenge addiction
5: um I think it challenges it because yeah I feel like you don't want to be around that person like say for instance like I know someone that's like addicted to weed right so like the fact that you have to wake and bake for you to even have a conversation with me is like wild Mm. to me so it makes me not want to even be around you because once I know like you could tell that person would need it again because they're starting to have mood swings or like they're starting to act differently. And you could tell because they need their fix. Yeah. So it's like, I don't want to be around somebody that for in order for you to even have a conversation with me or do any of that, you have to get your fix.
1: Can I I ask a question? Yeah. So what if they took weed and pill form when they got up in the morning, like regular medication?
5: Same thing. Why do you need that?
1: I mean, it's for medicinal, medicinal service, you know, people use it for medicinal.
5: I guess, but I mean, just from, my personal experience, that's not what it was. Right, right. So, like, I don't know. I can't really speak on that because I've never even thought about that, so.
0: Mm. Let me ask you this. What is the fine line between enabling and providing genuine support for someone with an addiction? What is the... Come on, Jaylen. Uh,
4: That's a tough question, just because it, like you said, it's a very, very fine line. Um, I think The toughest part about it is there's not a lot of people who think of addiction as a disease. Mm. So when you don't think of addiction as a disease, you think of it as this person is doing it because they want to do it. Mm. It's not they're doing it, like you said, to get well, because after reading up on like the dopamine that you talked about, where people are searching for this high and then they get that first-time high, they chase that first-time high, and there will be nothing that they can do to ever get that high back. Now they're just chasing the feel normal. Mm. So I think the fine line of it is just trying to educate the people around them mm-hmm. to make sure that they know, hey, this is more so not because they want to do this. This is because they have to do this to feel normal. And you got to just try your best to to help and try to give the help that they you feel like they need at that time Mm -hmm. and if they don't if they don't want to take it then it's not their time to take it yet Mm. because you can't make somebody that doesn't want to stop using a substance stop using a substance they have to come to that realization that hey this is really starting to be a detriment to my life Mm. I just watched something earlier today um a rapper, Dave East, he came onto a podcast and he was saying that he used to, he was addicted to lean. He's a truth, truth. Lean. He was addicted to uh the That's cough that syrup, syrup yep, and... cough syrup. He said that basically it would dry out his intestines and he would get the worst cramps. Oh, he would just lower. wake up and just get cramps. So he got off of it and he said he said that it was to the point where he was he felt like he was gonna die. Oh. But he got off of it and he was able to get off of it. But his one of his friends who he was who got him into sipping lean mm-hmm. never stopped and he just died this past Thanksgiving. Oh. So it's like you can't make somebody stop. They have to want to stop.
0: Mm. Adrian, the fine line between enabling and providing genuine support.
3: Um, I think kind of what Jalen and Carlos were saying, like the misconception that it's you're they're doing it because they want to do it instead of it being a disease. So with that misconception becomes lack of patience
4: mm-hmm.
3: and with enabling becomes it's either you have too much patience with them to where you're turning a blind eye to everything they do mm-hmm. past the addiction um, or you don't have any patience at all to where you're not even tolerating them when they're eating. Like everything, you're just sick of looking at them. Mm. Um, so I think finding that balance of to where you recognize they need help Mm-hmm. And even if they're not showing they want help, they're showing it in other ways.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Carlos?
1: Um, I think also, like, there's not enough tools out there for a lot of people to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of people don't know how to address it. Yeah. You know, um, I've had my issues, like I said, dealing with my mom. I've had my own addiction issues. And um, I'm a father of a young person that has addiction issues. And mental health issues. Okay. So as a dad, you raise somebody up to be a certain way.
2: hmm
1: And um, if, if people don't know, mental health really gets real thick for African-American men between 17 and 24. Mm-hmm. That's when the onset of a lot of things come. And uh, culturally, we don't have an understanding of how this process goes. And we're not given a safe place for these young people to talk about what's really going on.
0: Mm-hmm
1: they're going to search for somebody that may help them out that even temporarily more impact, and yeah. that person might be the one that's actually doing the drug in the first place. Mm-hmm. And now there's a connection because nobody wants to understand my pain.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And the next thing you know, I'm hanging out with people that I barely know, but I feel a connection with because of my depression or my anxiety or stuff like that. So it gets deep. You yeah. know, like it's, it's, and I, and I want to be so hard on him, but I understand his struggle. Yeah. But at the same time, at what point do I draw a line? Because it's killing me. Yeah. I mean, it's killing me. And um, I'm still learning how to do it. Yeah. You know, mom gives the tough, mom gives the the love. She can't let, I have to tell them, hey, this ain't it. You can come take a shower, get some food, change clothes. But if that's what you're doing, I'll talk to you later. And that shit, I mean, that stuff is hard. hard. No,
0: no, I mean, it's hard, hard, hard. Sometimes, look. We're not here to police language. We're not here to police tone. It just is what it is. And you can be your authentic self here. Um, And just to piggyback on what you said. So we are cultivating safe spaces here. We have the young adult support network that we are launching. Um, and we, we had every intention to do it Wednesday. Um, I don't know, I don't think we're going to be able to, but if there are young people who want to come and just be in community, we're going to break bread and we're just going to have a conversation. That's it, no judgment here. Um, And you can find that information on our website, bylp.org. But back to the conversation at hand, um, I I was an enabler. And I can admit that. Um, When you don't know enough about anything, you just want the pain to stop. And so I would give money, right? Um, I would make excuses um, because I was embarrassed, right, that, you know, I let myself get caught up with somebody who had an addiction issue um, and that embarrassment will keep you quiet. And so I spent a lot of time um, kind of suppressing information to the point I had boils all over my body because I was that stressed out and I was working two jobs while this person, he, he said he was working. Every time it came for payday, oh, I flushed my t- my, my paycheck down the toilet, you know, what I mean? like weird stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm so sorry that happened because I don't know if I was just young and dumb, but it just was a foreign life for me. It's hard to accept. It, it is. Like it, it is.
1: It'd be in your face and it'd be like, nah.
0: Yeah. Saying, and you talking about paying all the rent, yep. paying for the car notes, putting gas in the cars. I did all of that because I felt that's what a wife was supposed to do, but it was killing me. I yeah. was
4: the exact opposite.
0: You was the exact opposite what? Like, You wasn't married.
4: <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, Um, like, I was the exact opposite. Like I had very little sympathy. Yeah. Because it was so, I just didn't understand. I, I was the person that you could stop.
0: If and you wanted I, to, huh?
4: Yes. And yeah. I was the person who, I'm looking at how somebody is affecting the people that I love and I yeah. hold to a high standard mm-hmm. and how it's killing them. But they can't see that all the people, all that that person is trying to do is help. Were they
0: enabling or were they helping?
3: They were
4: helping. They were trying their best to help. Mm-hmm. They were trying their best to help, and I seen it, and I was like, "Why can't the person that needs the help see that all the people around them are trying to help? But like mm-hmm. all they're doing is breaking connections that they have." But I, it took me until seeing that person in their final moments. To actually understand that this it, it it really is not something that this person could control. Yep. Like it's not something that this person could control, and that's mm-hmm. the part that, like, it sticks with you a little bit because you're like you spent all this time without sympathy, and then you get sympathy in that person's last. Mo- you get that. You get you grab that sympathy, and you're like, it really was bigger than
0: yeah than I thought. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's kind of like idolize, demonize, humanize.
0: Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: And, and and you know it's like, even with parents and kids, it's like, hey, pedestal. Then as growing pain start, uh, oh, you're the reason I think. Mm-hmm. And as you grow and you get a little bit more wiser and you understand the struggle, you admire the sacrifices that are made or even, the things that couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. Because um, and that's kind of like the full circle of relationships, but definitely.
0: So Anaya, um, how important is it having a strong support system for both the individual facing addiction and their family members? I
2: would say very important um, because I think oftentimes maybe both parties can feel very alone. Mm. And I guess like prone to give up. So I think having people that you trust to talk to, people that you know will just listen to you, give you advice, I think that's very important.
0: Keila, Who needs more support, the the person addicted or the people trying to deal with the addiction? That's a good question. Yeah. Um, I don't really know off the top of my head. Well, um, you could just tell me what you
5: think. What do you think? Um... I say almost like the people around you, mm-hmm. just because I feel like like everyone was saying, like, if they can't do it for themselves, like, who are you to do that for them? Yeah. And then on top of that, it's like, OK, if I'm trying to get rid of this person in my life, I need support because whoever, however per- close that person is to you, it's probably hard, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you need a good support system outside of that because it's just like, OK, now who am I going to trust? Oh, now who am I going to
0: lean on or who am I going to talk to? Yeah. Um, has anybody ever been to uh, like a support group for people with addiction? Yeah? That's dope. Um, I remember going to Kaiser. First of all, I was pissed, right? Because he I, he had to take these classes and they kept charging me. Mm. <laughs> and so I was pissed, right? Um, but I'm like, okay, I want him to get the help. Yeah. I wanted him to get the help. Right. And so I would get off of work and I would go and attend these classes with him to ensure that he was actually going. Right. And I would just remember sitting there and I had so much animosity because I'm like, he's not stopping, but I'm putting out all this money. I'm sitting here in these classes and I wasn't talking about it to anybody around me. And so I didn't have the support that I was giving out.
1: You and ever, so, did you ever hear about Narnon? Alanon Narnon? Yes. Okay.
0: Yes, I have. Um, but again, I still didn't know what it was. <laughs> right. Right. I, I, I didn't know. I was, I was, um, green.
1: So when he had to do the Kaiser, was it to actually get well, or was it actually to like not I go don't to know.
0: jail? I, I don't know. Some people
1: got to do it for court too. I
0: have no idea, because there wasn't a lot of information being shared. Ah. Um, And so I would get these these bills right um, in the mail and then I would get letters that say, hey, you need to show up this day and this time. Remember, addiction is a family issue and trying to be all things to all people. I found myself in those rooms with these people and I was like, you know, I want to feel compassion. um, But at what point does. Self-care become part of dealing with these other things right and this is like really the first time I've talked about it because I'm pretty sure my mom is in the other room like what (laughs) um but seriously like I can remember sitting in these these rooms and I'm like the hell is wrong with you you know and and I remember we were in the living room one day and I don't know, I I, I probably popped him a, a couple times because I was just frustrated that particular day. And he went to step over this, um, I don't know what it was, but but there was like a frame, a picture frame that had broke. And he went to step over this crate that had these glass pieces and he sliced the back of his leg. And I remember I jumped up and I went and got this this towel and all this blood is everywhere. He's unfazed. <laughs> And I'm freaking out, and he's unfazed. It's like he didn't even register that he had gotten cut. And I'm like, it's about to be him or me up <laughs> in <Been> here. Because <laughs> this is about to drive me nuts. Like, But at 24, I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And you can have me in a room with other people that have addiction, but nobody is telling the 24-year-old young lady what to do to maintain her sanity and in he all of this not right and again because we don't have a really big grasp on what addiction is you know because he was 25 right i didn't i didn't know and i knew it started as as uh recreational right this stuff that i don't know athletes when they have an injury they start self-medicating and Um, start getting down on because they like al bundy reliving their glory days in high school right and then there were a series of other things that happened including his his parent passing away and so there was a, a kind of like a compiling of of different issues but in hindsight i took on those issues those were not my issues and i didn't know how to um put up boundaries right and so, my next question goes to what role do boundaries play in supporting both the individual with addiction and the well being of the family members? Adrian, boundaries, talk to me.
3: Oh, well, can you repeat that question for
0: me? Sure. Uh, what role do boundaries play in supporting both the individual with the addiction and the well being of family members?
3: I think boundaries play a big role because the family members need to set a boundary to where maybe they have a certain line that the person that's addicted won't cross Mm -hmm. before they let go. Um, You know, because you can only tolerate so much, whether it's whether it's um, (laughs) for their wellness or not, whether you know they're out of control of it we're all human and we have emotions we have feelings and sometimes it the weight gets too heavy for us to carry and mm-hmm. we can't carry it no more um mm-hmm. so i say i think setting that boundary for, boundary to where you know there's something you're not going to tolerate and mm-hmm. if they go over that line then for your mental health you have to let them go.
0: anaya boundaries
2: I actually feel
0: like I don't have an answer to this question. And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, because I don't expect y'all to know everything. I'm just trying to get your opinions. Keila, boundaries. Um, I think boundaries,
5: like kind of like what you were saying, kind of like the self-care thing. I feel like you kind of have to put yourself first at one point, especially in those situations, because what Adrian was saying too, there's just some stuff you can tolerate and then some stuff where it's like, all right that's too much. Mm -hmm. I'm done with it. So I feel like, especially if you aren't going to have those kind of like there's a tolerance rate, I think self-care is definitely needed if possible, because self-care in general, period, is very important, even in like mental health and all that. So I just feel like you need to have a certain boundary. And if not, you definitely need to have some type of self-care, whether that's like journaling, documenting, like something. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah. Jaylen?
4: um boundaries are are very important in that scenario and don't what i kept thinking about over here was i would ask my my grandma the same thing mm. why do you put up with so much mm. like what's the line because in my mind he crossed
0: multiple multiple lines <laughs> A habitual line stepper. all the time
4: <laughs> so i'm sitting there like why am i getting so mad for you Hmm. And you're not even it doesn't even look like it phases you. Cause he hears it all the time. And I just don't I don't get it. Like I don't right. get it. And I would ask my grandma all the time, I'm like, what like what you're always What is it gonna there. take? <laughs> yeah, <you're> always <laughs> there. Always. And I was just like, Goodness.
5: Um, I feel like Trauma
0: bonding is Ooh, definitely a thing. Yeah. Trauma
5: bonding. And I know someone that is very close to me that is going through that right now. So I feel like what you were saying too, like there's a trauma bond there because obviously that person is very close to your grandma. So I feel like there almost isn't anything. And if there is, it would have to be like something like outlandishly crazy.
0: Is it is it trauma bonding or is it a person feeling responsible for the other person? Ooh. I'm just wondering.
1: That's twofold. Both. That's twofold. Yeah, yeah because I, was gonna say, yeah. I so <laughs> I shared a room with an uncle. Smoked crack all my life, right? Yeah. From the time I was like three to like seventeen.
0: Mm-hmm. Put your mouth on the microphone. My
1: mm-hmm. grandma would say, "You are gonna get out on the first of the month," and that's what it is. Twelve times fifteen. <laughs> Twelve times. 15. So even I was like, okay. <laughs> But if we hardly have the tools now yeah. in today's society, yeah. think about the people that were, grew up in the 30s and 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. It was just stuff that didn't really get talked about. Mm-hmm. Because drugs back then was all some of them slept under the rug. Mm-hmm. Go out, do your thing, come home, pay the bills. As long as you handle your business, it was good. Right. Mm-hmm. But as a father, mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, like, we've done this, we've done this, we've done this. You know? We tried everything, right? right? And, and the thing mm-hmm. about it is, like, what's so crazy about it is that you want your kids not to experience any of the things that you experience. But at the same time, you're not preparing them for what life really is. Yeah. So, um, I do have times when I'm like, "Damn, what did I do wrong?"
0: And maybe it, you didn't do
1: anything. And, that, and that's what I. That's all to, about free right, choice, right? right? We but all it's, still, it's still, it's yeah. your kid. You right. So, um, you right. You have to. It, well, from my personal experience, you have to have confidence in what you've instilled in that young person. That's right. As, as 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 parents and um be there for support mm-hmm. draw a fine line and let God do his work
0: yeah and I was looking at some y'all can keep talking because I want to see if I actually did this this copied this meme down
4: and then one thing I found out is that addiction is um, hereditary
1: yeah
2: yeah
4: and I didn't know that right. that's that's something that changed in my outlook and like, yeah addictive personalities yeah it was like your mom your, your parents were addicted so you have a higher chance of becoming addicted. addicted and then if you were addicted your kids have a higher chance of becoming addicted right. So that's that's also a key piece that I don't think is talked about much it's like yeah you might be getting addicted but if you have children they are more likely to become addicted to something
0: mm-hmm. and- what is that called again uh, generational generation Addiction. Uh, there's a there's a word for it where the addiction is passed down through the generations mm-hmm. um and i just can't think of it right now but i'm gonna find it i'm gonna let y'all know
1: Cause you know uh, you know the story, the story the intervention tv shows i love
0: that show sorry. Have you
1: ever seen black folks on one yeah you have i have wow mm-hmm.
0: yeah and actually there's a meme about him going around the the black family that was on there and he was on there and um he was crying and so there's this meme that goes on and he did like this long drawn out cry and it's like sorry it's like this this thing that goes around so yes i've seen it i've seen a couple mm-hmm. um however um i was gonna ask y'all about that show uh addiction ha- intervention is what it's called never seen you've it. never seen it oh we gotta watch an episode oh, man, is,
1: yeah.
0: it's dope um but yeah what it does is it draws the boundaries. And that's why I was thinking of it. So they have each family member write a letter to this person saying, basically, if you don't take the offer to go get help today, these are the things that we're going to remove from you. These are these are the these this is how we are going to in interact with you moving forward. It gets deep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But this this meme that I, I copied the other day, it says unconditional love does not mean unconditional tolerance. Unlearn that. And so as you were talking and you were talking about, you know, as a parent, you know, you have confidence in what you instilled in this young person. And I think as parents, there's a lot of things that our children may do um, that we don't like. But it does not me loving you does not mean you can do whatever the hell you want to do, and I still have to just go along with it. That's not what that means. Um, I can love you from a distance. Um, I can. Everybody has free choice, right? So I can love you from over here, but in order to come around here, this these are my boundaries, and that's okay. Because I had to learn that too before I got divorced. Before I gave them them divorce papers. If you're going to do that, I don't want you anywhere around here he started showing up to my job so then I had to get a restraining order right Mm -hmm. and so I had to keep escalating until he finally got it that this ain't it no more right and so have you guys thought about um in terms of if the person that you know that was dealing with addiction if they started to make changes would that impact the way in which you saw them and not Let's go Jalen and then Anaya.
4: one hundred percent because of the simple fact, like am I, am, are we talking what I know now or what I knew back then?
0: Uh, let's talk about what you know now.
4: What I know now, I would know that that is a very, very it's a disease. and for you to overcome a disease and even try to make changes for you to yeah to even strive to make changes, I mm-hmm. would give the utmost respect for it because I know how hard it is now. back then, I didn't know how hard it was. Mm-hmm. So then I would just be like, well, that's what you were supposed to do. Yeah. So, oh, you know, gotcha. like that's like, because in my mind, I'm still under the effect of you can change when you want to. So now knowing what I know now about addiction, it's like I have the, the utmost respect for for, uh, for people that are striving to make changes.
0: Mm-hmm. Carlos?
1: Can you repeat that?
0: <laughs> I think I asked something along the lines of, If you saw the person addicted making changes, would that change the way or your perception of them?
1: In regards to supporting, yeah. But I mean, since I've already known it for so long, Mm -hmm. how the process goes, I would always have empathy to begin with. Okay. Because I'm always, it doesn't matter what the situation is. I'm always asking why. There's a story behind everything.
0: Anaya? Anaya? And I, I, I meant to go to Anaya next, but I kind of skipped the line. <laughs> it's okay.
2: Um, I would say yes. And I also wanted to touch on what Jalen said about learning that it does run in your family. So I think learning that, I had more empathy for the person because it's like, in my mind, it's like, you can control you can stop what you want. But it's like, in reality, you can't. And learning like, it's not your fault, um, partly, that made me just slow down and be like, oh,
0: it's
3: not all on you adrian um i want to say yes Uh but
0: what's stopping you from saying yes
3: Just so a person in my family that was addicted was my grandma and every time i see her seen her try to change it would be like okay for a couple weeks and then she's back to the old ways so i would say i admire her wanting to change and trying mm-hmm. but it's hard for me to trust that when she does do that change she's actually trying to do it or it's it's gonna work or help or long or last long
2: mm-hmm.
3: um so yeah so i haven't talked to her in five to six years now Mm -hmm. um, just because I don't believe that she's going to change.
1: So is it that you don't believe or you don't really want to put yourself in position to get hurt again? It could be both.
0: Yeah. And I just want to acknowledge the comment um, in the chat. It said, I wouldn't wish addiction on my worst enemy with any other disease. People have sympathy uh, for not. So with addiction. Um, why do you think people don't have as much sympathy for addiction?
5: I want to say, th- this is what first kind of my mind, so I don't know if I'm really going to agree if I say it out loud, but I think because almost like you kind of put yourself in that situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that like, you know, other diseases you didn't put yourself, but I feel like since you did almost kind of bring it to yourself, mm-hmm. it's almost harder because, You know, everyone's like, oh, you could do it one time and then stop. But, like, I feel like for some people, obviously, that one time was, okay, it made me feel good. And so it's, like, you're literally bringing that to yourself.
0: Mm -hmm.
5: So I feel like that's kind of why people could be doing that. Uh They think
0: think it's a choice.
3: Uh I think it also is, like, of what we see. So Mm -hmm. when we – we have a lot of homeless people in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. So what we see downtown is a bunch of people – having outbursts screaming Mm -hmm. running around and we laugh at it or we record it and post it so it's like we're not taking it serious Mm. um just because they're on the streets and to add on that it's like now with even social media like you get to see people like the new drug that's
4: the little zombie drug that's in florida you just see the people that's stuck in xylazine right yeah uh, Yeah, you see yeah Mm -hmm. you see that and it makes it even harder to sympathize with people like that, because it's like, because in everybody's mind, you're like, now why, why would somebody do that? Mm-hmm. That's what, that's the first thing you see, you think of is, why would somebody do
0: that? So is that being judgmental?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you judge because the thing about it is, when you don't have the problems that other people have, mm-hmm. and you, you tend to, you tend to judge, you like, what? Because you you ask why mm-hmm. in your head, but you don't ask them why. You make mm. the assumptions in your head. Mm-hmm. You're like, I know something. I know there's a reason for why you're doing that, but I'm not going to ask you, but I'm going to think of some things in my mind of things that I've seen on TV, right. things that I've seen and heard of music, mm-hmm. things that I've seen on social media. I'll think of all these different things, but I will not go to you and ask you, why are you doing this?
0: Mm. Um, Sorry, I got caught up on this, this comment. Says people with addiction will affect or affect every age group. The younger ones even see the people in charge as giving approval for this sort of behavior. All and music now. Well, not just music. I could have sworn I saw a, a some program out in L.A. handing out, um, handing out needles. What? Yeah, I I harm, have to harm, find yeah, it. Harm reduction. I, harm reduction. So they hand out needles, they're handing out, somebody was handing out pipes and I'm just like, and, and so like people in charge, they're like, okay, to mitigate this, let's just provide certain things.
1: And the funny thing about it though, because it's, it it first started in, I believe the Netherlands Mm. and in Sweden, certain aspects of harm reduction Mm -hmm. actually works. Yeah. If you look at the statistics. Because, but
0: well, what are what else are they doing besides that? Introducing
1: them to things that they don't even know about. But it's but so what they're doing is they're saying we're going to provide a safe place for you to get high instead of getting high and going out and committing crime.
3: So mm-hmm. they provide them like a space D- to
1: a certain degree, yeah. Okay. And, and you just have to do like do a little bit more research on it, you know, because there are different philosophies of how people address it. But harm reduction is something that's worked in other countries. The concept of certain things are different here. Yeah, because also we don't really adapt Eastern philosophies about a lot of things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, when you look at it, at the end of the day, there's there's reason there's there's reason behind it. So, what does it work? With? Does it work with crime, or what does it work with? For the most part, it works with crime. It works with spreading diseases. It works with okay putting yourself in dangerous positions and situations and circumstances.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I but don't do...
0: they do they do other things too, like provide housing?
1: Provide housing. I mean, provide mental, like, m- yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, so it's, it's like a wraparound it's a, it's type
0: wraparound. of yeah. situation. We don't have that here. We have people trying to combat things with band-aids
1: well, that's, instead that's,
0: of really changing the systems yeah. in which people are
1: operating in. And that's, that's the part about it that kind of made it. Cause when I first started going to school, I was a psychology major, you mm-hmm. know, in chemical dependency studies and, and human services. But now you get a lot of the framework and a lot of the, 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 Things are about funding. Mm. At the end of the day, it's about funding, and that's yeah. what that's what that's what kind of got me off of that uh-huh. because funding means more than giving somebody a place to actually get well.
0: Yeah,
1: but they don't really look at it like that. They look at it as bed space.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, even with some of the committees that I've served on in the county,
0: yeah,
1: it's about bed space, <laughs> fiscal year, and what can we do to get funding for the next the next time that we need grants.
0: Right. And I know Jalen's brain is turning. I see his eyebrows yeah, <laughs> squinting. What you what you saying? The reason
4: <laughs> I think that sounds nice in theory, but like you said, I don't think it'll work because we don't have the same. We don't
0: support. Yeah, we don't.
4: Yeah. We don't think the same as those those countries. So we already in, We have a. Our country is more so. We'll introduce you to the topic, right. and then we'll get you hooked on the topic. And then it's your job to find a solution to get off the topic. No,
1: mm. man, they have harm reduction in Sacramento, San Francisco, and everywhere else.
4: I, no, I get that part, right. but I don't think it's not
1: talked about because <laughs> in other, because See, in on, other, it's not talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, the band aid, right? Yeah. As we dig in, like as, what I would like to do with a lot of young people or what I do with a lot of young people, we peel the onion. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the hardest things to ever do. And I'm speaking figuratively here, getting butt naked with yourself. Which means not <laughs> being being no. That means being real. <laughs> why? Because no, I, because no, no, because I, I get it. But because mental health and, and substance abuse goes hand in hand. Yeah. And if Fact. I don't if I don't understand what my trauma and what my issues and what my things are going on, I'm not going to be able to understand why is it that I get depressed and the only thing that gets me out of being depressed is a bump, mm. or why is it that I'm manic all the time and the only thing that actually balances me out is an opioid, and yeah. and, and for the most part, a lot of these drugs were designed as medicinal drugs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, there was, there's a component to it, but at the same time, it's taken on a life of its own mm-hmm. because once money and, and um...
2: And
4: that's my point. Yeah. is It sounds good in theory. Right. But if you don't <laughs> not have anybody that's funding it, all it is is well, an idea.
0: Well, let's keep it a buck because when black folks were dealing with addiction, say in the crack epidemic, they were criminalized. Yep. Now, all of a sudden, everybody has this compassion for people that are on opioids. opioids yep, right? right. So let's let's just force for a minute. If people really had to deal with the brutality, with the systemic pushing out of schools, coming into jobs and being talked to like they are less than a human being, and then having to work for less for the same job that your counterparts get paid for. And then we want them to show up as their true authentic selves, ready and willing to work. And we put the pressure of the world on their shoulders and expect them to be normal. Let's normalize talking about how the system encouraged addiction and criminalized addiction to filled their pockets with monies that they now all of a sudden have a heart about and want to give it to other people in other communities to deal with addiction in certain communities yep. let's talk about
4: it because the, because the only way that they give you is they'll give you other pills or they'll give you other medicine that they make the money off of now to get you off
0: Everybody of- has their had their foot on the neck of folks in the black community where was the compassion the concern then
1: i'm just saying it was a financial it was a financial idea to begin with
0: i'm just saying saying
1: and on top of that let's 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 throw it through and then they
0: threw it in nwa's lap and they were like wait a minute we don't have no planes bringing this stuff up over here like let's talk about what really happened because unless we talk about the real we can't get to all this other stuff talking about understanding what's actually happening what we saw was black people addicted to stuff and criminalized. Yeah. So we, in turn, looked at them and said, Y'all are criminals. Yeah.
4: Talk about it, preacher.
1: The world ain't
0: that what we did? The world on about drugs. And then we expect families to understand something different when they've been force fed this foolishness yeah. and that then, they, be- they believe they need to be dealt with yeah. brutally. Yeah.
1: And the, oh, the crazy part about oh. it, though, is like with, with LA and the Bay Area, you had all these factories and plants, right? Uh huh. Most African Americans that came from back east and back south came for a good opportunity to work. That's for. right. All these neighborhoods had black families that owned homes. Mm-hmm. All within a span of like five to 10 years, you take away about 700,000 jobs mm-hmm. and, 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 and take these factories and these plants and send them elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, all this dope comes around. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like I've, I've even talked to some OGs about it, and it's like when you give an individual an opportunity to feed his family, mm-hmm. Be sufficient, whatever, he's cool. When you back him up against the wall, all kind of possibilities come across because you're used to being the man of your house. Now there's no, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. Yeah. To a certain degree, yeah.
0: And and when we talking about because we didn't get to it, but the why yep. things are happening the way that they are. Let's talk about how the system perpetuated a lot of these things, these stereotypes, the Flooding our communities mm-hmm. with these illicit substances and then criminalizing the people in that community to make room for other people to move in. Let's keep it a buck. Mm-hmm. We cannot continue to do it like that. Yep. When you are an American Black working, you really do two jobs. How long they last under this pressure leads to some addictions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we cannot continue, like you said, to back people into the wall or add them to the pressure cooker. At some point, they're going to explode. And so in in having this conversation, what I'm hoping is that with the information we're getting from the MBSAT, you know, uh, facilitation book and understanding what we've seen in our lifetime when it comes to people with addictions and then processing how the system kind of Played their part. And then looking at how our children are doing now, how they're disproportionate, dis, d- disproportionately disciplined throughout the nation. Yep. Um. They have police after them on their school campuses, not all school campuses, but for the most part, police were put on school campuses to keep them safe from school shooters who don't look like people from my community. Let's keep it real. Normally pipelines. Mm-hmm. And so you put these police on the com- on on the campus. Right. And they have a bias and you continue to perpetuate this this stereotype of black young people that they are more prone to drugs that they are more prone to violence that they know more about sex that they don't need to be uh seen as as individuals worthy of care compassion and concern it is a it's like a hamster wheel yeah. um continually happening and so when we when we're talking about things like this and i'm so glad the conversation took this turn um Is it important for you all to know the why in order to show compassion? Anaya? I say yes. So you need to know the why?
2: Not that I need to, but I feel like that plays a part in showing compassion. It can play a part.
1: Mm -hmm.
4: I think for me, I'm going to start showing compassion regardless just because of what I know now. Mm -hmm. But once I know the why... It's an added layer, and then I can try to do what I can to to address that why the best that
3: I can with the resources that I know.
0: Gotcha. Adrian, does it matter, the why?
3: I think uh, for me, kind of like Dan said, I'm going to start showing compassion no matter what. But in the past, the why did matter because knowing – where someone came from, it changes your perspective on things.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um so once you learn that fact, you start to look back on it, and you're like, dang, I feel bad for judging them that harshly and um looking at them a certain way when you don't know their whole story.
0: Mm-hmm. And so I'ma challenge you today. I'ma challenge you. Find out grandma's why. Find out grandma's why.
1: Or even the person on the street that you see.
0: Well, I want him to start with grandma because he hasn't okay. talked to her in six years. And is that mama's daddy's? That's mama? mom. That's mom. Okay. Find out her why. Just just try to understand just a little bit. You know what I mean? Because I think that once you get that answer, you will be able to find compassion to deal with her a little bit better. Right? Yeah. You can't find out the why because okay. he passed. So yeah. um, I, I'm just, man, Keela, is the why important? Is the why important? I, I think it is,
5: but I hate to be that person. But because I feel like if it's like your family, mm-hmm. I feel like I definitely need to know the why. Mm-hmm. Because I almost kind of can't give you compassion. Mm. But if it's someone else, I feel like I could. Mm. But it's because I feel like I don't know you. I can't judge you. I haven't known you.
0: So you could judge your family? I mean, that's what I heard.
1: Family, I say, family affects you and strangers yeah. don't.
5: Yeah, because at the end of the day, like, not not to say that a person doesn't mean anything to me, but like, I don't know you for real. so It's not as
0: much of an impact. Yeah, it's not as yeah. much of an
5: impact okay. on me personally. That's why I can give compassion. That's why I feel compassion. But mm. when it comes to your family, especially if someone like close to you, it's like I kind of need to know the why. Yeah.
0: Mm. Carlos is the why important.
1: It's everything. It's everything. Okay. Um, I remember when my kids were little, mm-hmm. and don't test this to this day. You know, people get they ask for money on, on the side of the road, and um, I would pull over and have them go talk to the person. If you go get the money, can you just tell me your story? Mm. You know, and um, you'd be surprised how many people would look at you like, "What do you mean, my story?" Because yeah. nobody ever asked for a story, right? But I mean, give them some change and say, "Hey, can you tell me your story?" They're not gonna go all the way into it, but they will probably start tearing up on you.
0: Yeah yeah
4: i have a question has anybody asked the why and how did they feel after
0: asked who the why
4: any anybody that you know that has suffered from an
1: addiction oh okay
0: so, so you're talking to everybody yeah. on this panel yeah. okay um i always tell you all my most favorite experience was when i went to san quentin um i don't know what i was expecting um sitting in with a bunch of juvenile lifers um All I know is they said they don't negotiate with terrorists. So if they take me hostage, I'm on my own, basically. And so, you know, that does something to your mind when you're going into an environment where you're not familiar with who may be in the room. Um, But once I asked why, um, I was not prepared for the answers, nor the emotions that came with the answers so much. So I probably spent the first 25 minutes in tears with them um, because I think that we do a really horrible job building relationships with one another. And you can only um, truly connect with somebody if you've asked them about themselves. Um, That's why a lot of times y'all see me moving through this community. I know a lot of people they probably respond to me differently because they know me get to know them. Right. And so I just think that you'll be surprised at what you learn when you take the time to slow down and just have a conversation. Yeah. Look, we, we almost out of time. Um, (laughs) great conversation next week. We are delving into week five. Um, there's a there's a few comments. Uh y'all wanna get to the comments? You want um I've asked the why several um, times. Come on, Anaya, what you saying? Anaya.
2: Um, just personally, this one that's up right now, if you know like basically your family or whatever, who's ever affected you from addiction? Um, I would know me personally. Like I don't even though I'm in college and I am underage, so I know, yeah, don't drink alcohol. But personally for me, when people are like, oh, you don't drink or you, you know, you don't sorry guys. <laughs> what are you? Just telling I'm, like, oh, I'm, so I'm
4: so mad I don't got no headphones. I ain't hear you chatting the whole time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, basically, like I feel like for me, because I've seen what the substance can has done to people around me. Uh-huh. I'm less likely to do that. So like, yeah, in college, you go to parties, there's alcohol. I'm like, I'm not drinking because I'm like, I just I just like the taste. That's a reason. But also, I don't like to be out of control of my own body. I've seen how it's affected people close to me. And I don't, especially because it runs in my family, I don't want to even get the opportunity to experience that. I
0: really that's got the best you. way I can say it. I really and, and I don't drink either, but I have to tell you, um, I've had something slipped in my drink before, mm. and it was a Sprite. <laughs> mm. He slipped something in my Sprite, um, which I don't—I don't go to anywhere and drink ever because I don't trust people like that. So I was—I was coming off for of work. Um, this is when I worked at the radio station. I was coming away from work, and they were like, "Hey, can I get you something to drink?" I'm like, "I don't drink, but I'll take a Sprite." He was way too cheery to go get me a Sprite. And so he brings this Sprite back. And, of course, I drank it because I wanted a Sprite, right? And then um, I remember him asking me to go dance, right? And I started seeing all these colors. And I'm like, this ain't normal. And I'm looking around. And I must have been looking really weird because he said, oh, don't worry. It'll wear off soon. Ooh. And I reported it to the folks at the radio station. They told me, oh, you probably were just tired. I mm. know tired, and I know different colors. And I was seeing multiple colors. Um,
4: that's And that's another problem right there. The so don't blaming, drink at the college
0: parties, Anaya. No, that's what I'm saying. The
4: victim blaming.
0: <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I was I was probably 22, maybe 22, and I reported that. I was like, oh, you were just tired. Don't yeah, worry. Like,
1: Reputation's like, on the line. They're making it seem
5: like you're yeah. So,
0: like, Yeah,
5: like that's why it's it sucks, especially being like not like especially being. And this is going a
0: whole different way. We gonna have to wrap up, y'all.
5: Like like being a woman, like that's crazy. Like for you to like basically say I'm naive is wild.
0: Yeah, and it's not what you think it is. It's not what like it's gaslighting. Like I know it gaslit me. I know what
5: I'm doing, and I've never experienced that before.
0: Yeah, and so so I haven't I haven't even allowed anybody to get me a soda either since 20 something right and so i i just say that to say don't be drinking at these college parties anaya because yeah. <laughs> you can't trust people even if they're okay. they're trying to be nice or they're trying to just always be guarded it's it's so important nowadays but look we don't ran out of time i said i was gonna get to these comments um miss tawana says i've asked why several times One time it ended in tears in my asking if we could give him a hug. He broke down and cried in my arms. Um, Miss Margie says families pass down areas of life's addictions. If you know parent was a drunk, why drink? Study patterns of behavior. Addictions increase with liberalism and less Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. So look, we are out of time for today. Thank you for joining us. Next week, we will be talking about rejection. Everybody has been rejected in some way, shape, or form. We're going to talk about how we get through it. Um, Yes, it hurts. We're going to talk about the pain associated with rejection and how uh, we're coping with being rejected in multiple different areas and I'm trying to keep my composure. Jalen is doing a whole lot. A lot. Uh, remember that we do offer uh MBSAC classes here. The staff is trained in mindfulness-based substance abuse treatment. If you have a young person or you're an adult and you, you need some uh, tools in your tool belt, um, please consider joining us for one of our sessions. I believe we're going to do a special one during the holidays. Okay. So we'll be talking about that soon. Um, oh, Let me tell you. So we are doing a turkey giveaway this Saturday. We currently have a hundred families signed up with 94 on the wait list. Um, Good Lord. We're going to need some support. So if you are out there and you hear the sound of my voice, if you could donate a gift card, a gas gift card or a grocery gift card in the amount of $50, we would love to receive that on behalf of a needy family here in our community. Shout out to Miss. Kate kathy who was outside when we were um taping our our spot with the the uh police department she walked up and handed us 50 dollars to go towards a family so we want to just shout her out and thank her so our turkey giveaway is saturday 11 to 1 so be here if you want to volunteer please contact us here at our office uh 916-513-7959. With that, we're going to hit y'all with the wave. That means wave at the camera because uh, <laughs> we are out out of time. We're going to hit you with the wave. See you next week for part five of our mindfulness series, Rejection. Peace out.